On behalf of everybody at the Untitled Beatles podcast, we wanted to take this opportunity to wish Paul McCartney a happy 80th birthday. Best known as Stu Sutcliffe's understudy on the bass guitar, Paul McCartney went on to become one of the founding members of the Beatles and a great solo musician in his own right. Hashtag John Lennon. Different spelling of right. McCartney's responsible for some of the biggest hits of all time. From Stone Cold Beatles classics... To his hard rockin' solo output. Look, all jokes aside, we at the Untitled Beatles podcast love Paul McCartney. He's one of the single greatest entertainers to walk the face of the earth. The fact that he's still with us and performing is amazing. And in the next few weeks, Tony and I, this is TJ by the by, Tony and I will take a look at Paul McCartney's incredible career, focusing on our top 8,000 favorite solo McCartney releases, most of which are B-sides. So happy birthday, Sir Paul. We love you. We're grateful for you. Some of us think it's awesome that you're still touring and making new music. And you'll always be a hero at the Untitled Beatles podcast. And now, part three of an episode about Paul McCartney's second most influential album after Driving Rain, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the Bee Gees version. Let's just reslate for part three. How about that? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. It deserves a three. It is Sergeant Pepper. It's, it's summer. It deserves pepper. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, All right. It's Bloody Pepper. Shut up. <laughs> it's the Bloody Beatles. It's sold. <laughs> a lot of people thought Pepper should just be one side, you know? You know, I'm, I'm not a great one for that. You know, maybe it was too many of that. Look, what do you mean? It was great. It's sold. It's the Bloody Beatles. Sergeant Pepper. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> The album that never ends. <laughs> happy to be so 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 Welcome back. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on this madcap journey through Sgt. Pepper. We feel this deserves a three-parter, man. It's the 55th anniversary, often cited as their greatest work, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, The Beatles. You know, this is one I had in full disclosure because I do, you know, I am am a fan of the group. But before we started the podcast, I really only knew Past Masters (laughs) 1. Didn't like two, huh? You just... Had the had the CD, no, but just didn't want to listen to it. Just something something about it. I don't know what it is. I mean, the the drugs, the things. Okay, but, mom. Uh, like Past Masters one, like the first side of the four albums of sixty two to sixty six. So Pepper to me was a revelation, and for a while I stopped burning my copies of John Lennon in his own right. <laughs> yeah. And then you had to figure out a different way to roast hot dogs after that. <laughs> so after uh, we'd finished cooking the hot dogs, I just put my records on there. Now I just eat them raw. <laughs> That's a, That was me when I was a kid. I mean, they weren't raw. They were just cold. Did you raw dog it? <laughs> I did. I did. And I ate Dorito sandwiches. And what was the other thing? I put Andy's candies in the microwave for like 15 seconds or whatever. And they'd get like just a little bit melted. Like the mints? Yeah. 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 And I put a pencil in the microwave, too, and it exploded, and that was pretty wild. My parents didn't dig that. Whoa! Oh, <laughs> oh fuck, is that fire, man? Oh, 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 not good, not good! But did it get the lead out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. Led Zeppelin is a gateway drug, too, like <laughs> misuse of microwaves. Right, listen, starts with Led Zeppelin, you blink and you're knee deep in rubber plants now and zen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're wandering around 29 Palms looking for the answers. <laughs> What's the song he wrote about taking a dump? I don't know. Big, I don't know. big log. Oh, yeah. That's right. 
So side two of Sgt. Pepper on the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. Hey, TJ Shannon with you. Thanks for listening. This yeah. is our third part of the Sgt. Pepper album. And you know what? If any Beatles album, I mean, Beyond Past Masters 1, deserves this kind of analysis, I really do feel... By the way, I knew people in, like, middle... I think I've told this right before, in middle school and high school when that album came out, were like, oh, I guess you don't need the Red and the Blue albums anymore because Past Masters is, like, their greatest hits. And I remember being like, what greatest hits album has C. Leapkick and Bad Boy, you dummy? <laughs> Actually, Bad Boy is on, on Collection, collection of Beatles Oldies. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trick trick trivia. Now, Junior, behave yourself. All right. It starts off with the most challenging song, I believe, on a uh, Beatles record to date, Within You, Without You. You go first. Uh, me go first? Bobo. Bobo. Me go first? Yeah, you go first. Zug, zug. All right. Yeah, this one was the one that took me the longest time to get into. It is a long song because it's like over five minutes, if I recall. But it's really grown on me. It was written at Klaus Vormann's house. It's got a heavy message. It's the most, like, you know, preachy. It's about as preachy as the Beatles get, don't you think? Yeah, this and why don't we do it on the road? Why don't we do it? <laughs> but uh yeah the lyrics were <laughs> the lyrics were inspired by the teachings of uh hindu vedas which are ancient indian religious texts uh so yeah we're getting a little religious here that's probably also why it took me a while i'm not i'm not a religious i'm more of a secular person but uh yeah the instrumentation on this is it's sitar sitar, it's sitar. It's sitar. Tabla. the tabla is the right hand drum which is tuned to the tonic with a hammer. And the left hand drum is known as the baya, which is the bass drum. Dilrubas? I, I don't know if that's how you say it. Dilrubas? This is how we pronounce Dilruba. That's the bowed sound that the orchestra then kind of Dilruba matches. Dilruba. Dilruba. And then tambura. tambura. This is the tambura. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, George Martin put the score, score. on this. It's grown on me, you know. It has a variety, and I, I hear the tune now. It's a beautiful tune, you know. I think, you know, when you're a teenager, you're impatient. And, I, you know, after just hearing Lucy in the Sky and fixing a hole or whatever, it was like, oh, I, I like that stuff. This, this, you know, it's different. I feel like this song to me works way better as a side opener than in the middle of the CD. Does that make any sense at all? I feel mm. like when you flip the record and put on side two, it just makes more sense. It feels like a different sunrise versus a continuation from Mr. Kite. Man, I think that's a great way to put that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. The ritual of like, ah, the breath you take or whatever. <laughs> Every breath you take. Uh, Miss Gradenko, let's just quote <laughs> songs of synchronicity. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great way to put that, that this is like a sunrise on side two. I like that a lot. As I've gotten older, I respect the song more, too. The deeper into George I've gotten, the deeper I respect the song. But it's not my favorite George melody by far. I love what it does. I love that there's an Indian song on this important of an album. And, of course, one of the best things about it 
George to have the presence of mind enough and the Beatles to agree with the burst of laughter at the end. Yeah. To kind of break the mood from this heavy song makes such a difference because it alleviates and lightens the song without undercutting the previous five minutes. And that's hard. It's hard to do in music. It's hard to do in sketch. It's hard to do in film to change the tone on a dime and not diminish what's come before it is exceptional. Now, I have a question for you. If the Beatles had put this record out today, in this day and age, would they get accused of cultural appropriation? Uh... <laughs> Go in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, and we mentioned this baseball team in the previous episode, but I think George just happened to love Cleveland Indian music. Well, yeah, and the extras are kind of cool for Within You, Without You. You actually hear George on the talkback talking to the musicians. like Doing like an Indian scale, singing the notes as he's doing it, which seems very proficient for someone who'd only done sitar for a very brief amount of time. In, in the right into the beat, if he goes... Yeah, we'll say having all these little extras on the 2017 Super Deluxe or whatever, it's like hanging out with them. And it's really cool. You know, you almost feel like you're included in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And they do the bonus tracks are in order of when they were recorded, which is a really that. neat touch. I yeah. love that. I it's love a soft that. touch, as George would say. Next up, the first song to be recorded that made it onto the album, When I'm 64. Uh, we mentioned way back in episode one of this uh, super deluxe deep, deep, deep dish uh, that Paul had this laying around back in 1959 and that they used to use it uh, when the amps broke at uh, the Cavern Club. Uh, interestingly, Paul's dad turned 64 in 1966. Yeah. So perhaps that's... You know, maybe why it was on his mind for the whole uh, childhood, you know, motif they were going for when they started this thing. Tony, I have read critical assessments of this album, which say for all the hubbub and all the fuss and all the greatness, this album has an inherent conservative bent. Mm. She's what? leaving home when I'm 64, a song about a parking meter made. Um, that this kind of, uh, you know, uh, sure. almost celebrating older conservative authority figures and uh, to that, I would say trickle-down economics works. It's why the poor are doing so well. We can create the incentives which take advantage of the genius of our economic system. We shall scream and you won't like it. I love this song. I mean, this song is, you know, part of a pattern of jaunty old school Paul songs, Honey Pie, Your Mother Should Know. Um, but this is one of the finest. It's so tight and it's scored and orchestrated so well. I think this song's very, very fun. And in what other album could it share the same space as Within You Without You to open a side? It's the beauty of Pepper. Yeah. Like that segue shouldn't work, but it does. And it's a it tight does. segue. You know, like th that was the deal with this record, too, is that uh, George Martin wanted like no gaps really between the songs. Yeah, usually there's what three to four second band yeah. gaps, and they were eliminated for this. It was almost like meant to flow like one track. <laughs> yeah, when this song starts, I'm always a little bit like, eh. But then, like the instrumental break, I really love the clarinets. I love so much. I love Ringo's drumming on it. The clarinets actually really make this song for me. And if you say the word, I could stay with you. There's something that's just really jazzy about it. 
like the Frankie Howard version from the movie where he sings We cover that movie is bonkers. I don't know what episode it is, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard one. Have some fun. In terms of old vaudeville Paul songs, I I love this one. I think it fits really neatly. And then you segue right into another Paul song. Yeah, here we go. Lovely Rita. This is another one that was a standout for me when I was, again, a junior high kid just pouring into this record on a cassette. You know, my grandmother's name was Rita. Really? Yeah. And uh, she used to grumble. She's like, yeah, the song they wrote was about a meter maid. (laughs) 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 But it always, I kind of think of my grandma when when this song comes out. She was not a meter maid, but she was a nurse, but uh, in Iowa. I think of uh, Clapton backup singer Rita Coolidge. Ah, yeah. Wasn't it her that wrote the piano line for the coda of Layla? I don't know. I know women shouldn't get credit for rock. Move on. <laughs> TJ, those are old thoughts. TJ, old thoughts. These are jokes right now. It's not. I'm reading the script Q sent me. <laughs> and tell us, why didn't you receive credit uh, for your contribution to one of the greatest songs of all time, Layla? Well, I'm not sure. I love uh, in the extras for Lovely Rita. First of all, I've always liked this song. Uh, Me too. It's a favorite of mine. Yeah, it's a cool song. I've, uh, yeah, I think we've talked about the song in the past. I like the little flourish that's the, the comb and the paper trick. The EMI uh, toilet paper. Yes. Yes, toilet paper is used. Yeah. They don't overdo it. They use it so sparingly that it, it's still f- a fun touch. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Rita! I want to say that's George Martin, right? That's George Martin on the piano, if I recall. I believe so. And Tony, this song ends in a weird minor key stampede. (laughs) This song gets very weird and it ends with kind of a little orgasm and do a bliss. And yes, this is one of those songs that John would criticize Paul about writing songs about, you know, secretaries and et cetera, people that weren't him, you but, know. Uh, Tony, Paul didn't criticize John for writing songs about Attica State. Yeah. So, like, I'm, so, John like, I'm sorry. I, and John Sinclair, like, I, I love Angela. John. I, I, right. All the Sometime in New York City album. Yeah, the whole, that record. You know, but it's, I, what, what was John's quote in the Playboy interviews that Paul just knocks him off like a novelist? So what? They're some of the most indelible <laughs> pop songs ever written. Yeah. The shit he took for silly love songs. And when he responded, what's wrong with that? I'd like to know, because here I go again. When you're great at something, you do something as much as you want to do it. Yeah, there's a lot of very speed on this whole record, meaning like their voices are pitched up high a, a lot. And this is another one. Uh, for you tape heads out there, the tape was running at 46 and a half cycles. So there you go. All right, let's go, tape head. Are you Maxell XL2? Are you Sony High Bias? Maxell. I was a Maxell. I loved the hard plastic gray casing on, on that. Yeah, they were neat. Even after 500 plays, our high fidelity tape still delivers high fidelity. It's worth it. Take nine from February 24th features uh, Paul doing some lovely gibberish vocal in the intro. Take 
It's almost the inspiration for Sun King or something later on with John's fake Italian or whatever. Mondo paparazzi, mi amore, chica ferdi para yeah, or across the universe. <laughs> well, it's not gibberish, it's not, but it's not gibberish. I know. <laughs> TJ's speak English. Anti meditation. Hey, that's the only thing about the Beatles I hate is they're British and they didn't speak English. There's just somebody coming up with a, a strange word is what it means. I mean, like the word "psychogling." You're looking at it, and it's all out of line. Hey, that thing's so ugly. My grandmother, she used words like peckerwood. If it's somebody she didn't like, she'd call him a peckerwood. <laughs> well, the next song to me is one of the most exciting and underrated Beatles songs there is. A little throwaway from John Lennon called Good Morning, Good Morning. I'm glad he didn't throw it away, or I'm glad where he, he threw it, it landed on the record. I love this song, man. This has always been one of my favorites. I think I ranked it real high on my my all-time Beatle list. It's a great song that John didn't like for a long time, and then by the end of his life began to appreciate it as being a great song. I think the fact that the origins were a Kellogg's commercial. Good morning, good morning. The best to you each morning. Sunshine breakfast, Kellogg's cornflakes, crisp and full of sun. Maureen loves. I think in his mind, this was kind of always a throwaway, but it's not. It's got interesting melodic changes. It's got interesting tempo changes. The sound effects are awesome. Yeah. The end is a cacophony. And the way they stack the animals going after each other in, in uh, Darwinian order. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Yeah. It's great. I love the the horn playing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all distorted and all that. Those sound effects you mentioned, they come from Abbey Road Vault Volume 35, Animals and Bees. That's where you get the lion, elephant, dog, sheep, cow, and cat noises. And then Volume 57, Fox Hunt, features the bloodhounds, the tooting, and the galloping. Sorry about the tooting, by the way. I, I think tooting's fine. I do like Natalie and Blair as well. <laughs> when you're learning the facts of life. You know, I, I already mentioned this. I, I hung out with Mindy Cohn. I, I worked with her, I should say. We didn't hang out, but we hung out on set while working. And she's a, a lovely lady. She was Natalie. And Strawberry Kim Fields Forever <laughs> was Tootie. What's up, Tootie? I'm tired of being underdeveloped. <laughs> How about this, uh, TJ? Joe, pull check my machine. <laughs> oh, without your Gucci bag. Paul music. It's pull the check. Speaking of Paul, uh huh. His bass playing on this is so exciting. It's 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 in combination with Ringo's drumming. Like I can't figure this out. The kick drum pedaling. On this, it sounds like a double bass. It it sounds like. So it's either someone sitting with like Mo Tucker style with a bass drum upturned and with mallets with two hands, or Ringo figured out that John Bonham, you know, the double amp, double bass with one with just the one pedal. The photo I've seen has two kits and Bernard Purdy's playing on the other one. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> James Brown, Lloyd Price, Ray Charles, Frank Sinatra, Heinz, Heinz, and Ford. But I love this song. I love the meter. Yeah, it's in a funny time signature. I always counted it as tens. Uh, in the video accompanied with the 2017 box set, George Martin counts it out. One, two, three. One, two, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four. It's in a funny meter that John Lennon would later use with things like happiness is a warm gun. Superior junk 
you're like in these weird meters that make sense. You know, you don't know they're in a weird time signature. Yeah, it's the Beatles not being trained musicians worked so well for them in that regard. They weren't constricted or restrained by expected meters. We get yet another Paul guitar solo that's just bonkers and like proto-metal. You know, it sounds a little like his tax man solo. Yeah. Yeah. He hits that one high note at the end. That's very, uh, I don't know what it's like pre air metal. I love the lyrics. I've got nothing to say, but it's okay. Proving once again, like along with the lyrics to Strawberry Fields, like to me, Lennon is like the original Gen Xer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Never mind. You know, I, it resonated with me, especially in eighth grade, like just being this like kid who just consumed TV, you know, Meet the Wife, by the way, was a TV show. He mentions it. That was aired at uh, 730 PM on PBC One. Sora Heard and Freddie Frinton. Trivia. <laughs> Thora Heard was Mel Torme's mother-in-law. Thank you, Ernie K. Doe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this song is absolutely great, and it flows very differently uh, in stereo and mono into the Pepper Reprise. Yeah, the transition is a thing, huh? The- yeah, this in mono and stereo, it's different and it's sloppier in mono. It the is. last cluck into the guitar note before the pepper reprise warbles in mono. <laughs> it almost feels like a tape issue. Yeah, it sounds like what happens when a tape gets to speed. It starts, yeah. to r- it ramps up to speed. <laughs> Same thing happens in mono, though, with the crowd noises into Sgt. Pepper's The Reprise. Yep. The crowd noises go. Yes. One, two, three, four. Which is stonier to me. There's uh, a different kind of. <laughs> I just hear it. Okay. It's almost too clean. And the stereo version is the one I'd heard uh, for 30 some years. But then the mono one almost feels more. Like a more like the warped world you've entered into. It's less clean. It's weird, and I love it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I just see. I hear a mistake. Uh, to me, it takes me out of the moment. But maybe the moment was them being the, the Wizard of Oz, showing the wizard at the end. Like, there's no crowd here. It's you know, like fake canned laughter. Like, yeah, is it yeah, irony? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And, and I don't know. The applause and the laughs come in different places, too. Yes. And in the reprise, they're a little different. There's no laugh in the stereo on the reprise. Right. There's another uh, Angus McBean <laughs> garlic <laughs> chewing gum <laughs> comedy moment <laughs> that happens with the sergeant, with Billy Shears. He's a real cut up, that Billy Shears. We never find out the names of the other guys in the band, by the way. Well, yeah, we hear them in the movie. Oh, well, all right. Fair enough. And what are, what are their names in the movie? Leppo and <laughs> Harry and... Peter Frampton, the VG, Steve Martin, George Burns, with a little help from their friends. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. Christmas Day at 4 p.m. Right here on TV 39. This reprise, I prefer it to the original. I love the reprise and yeah. mono, it rocks so hard. I feel like this is a great hard rock tune. The, the guitars are dirtier. Yeah. I think it was, was it Neil Aspinall who came up with the idea to end it the way it began? Neil That's Aspinall, what I read. our yeah. generation's McNapier, you know, the ends at the beginning. <laughs> Mick might have never said that. Mick, if you're listening, I know you're not listening. <laughs> I don't. Know that improvisation is the least important thing you'll ever do in your entire life. Uh, well, yeah, it's in a faster tempo. It starts in F, then goes to G, which is the original key of the first Sgt. Pepper. These weren't recorded back to back. It was uh, it was done like a month or so later. The reprise. John goes bye. Yeah, that's which a fun is so moment. funny. Bye. I remember when they do the Sgt. Pepper's one and only Lonely Hearts Club band. I just thought that was the cleverest thing that back then, you know, as a as a little 13-year-old, I would have been. 
Yeah, I love it too, Tony. And how many records comment on the record ending? <laughs> yeah, it's meta. And then the applause comes up and it segues right into Day in the Life. Before we get into Day in the Life, I've got to mention that in 1988, for the first time ever, thanks to the Imagine soundtrack, the Imagine CD included a version of this with the clean guitar intro. Yeah, that was that so nice. That then later copies of 67 to 70 also included, and I believe the CD and vinyl now of 67 to 70 has the clean Day in the Life intro remastered, which is really nice to have. For the 45 and previous issues of 6770, it didn't start with a loud burst. They faded up the applause, but you still missed the first couple notes. But it's wonderful to have a clean intro to this digitally. Master makes me very pleased. Of my second favorite Beatles song ever written, and I think objectively their best song. Yeah, yeah. Most people consider this their best song. It usually is at the top. Although, what was it? Enemy said, Tomorrow Never Knows. Is that right? Yeah, enemy had tomorrow never knows. You had day in the life at like eight or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's favorite. I'm talking about my favorite. You know, I'm not saying what's best or whatever. I, that leave that to enemy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Do you know your enemy? Do you know the enemy? Yeah. I mean, how much uh, we've talked about the song many times. The 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 journalism aspect of the song, John Lennon. And I mean, a little bit like she's leaving home. This came mm-hmm. out of out of newspaper articles. Yeah. And the sadness of the song, the fusing it with McCartney's bridge, McCartney's idea to do the whole weird orchestral buildup, the orgasm. The the orgasm. Yeah. The spares versions where they're working on it where you just hear Mal Evans counting and the alarm clock going off. Yeah. Both the working drafts of this and the final drafts of this are pop rock perfection. I mentioned in the first episode, Leonard Bernstein talked about how this song moved him. This is, uh, uh, there can't be a more indelible classic song in the pop rock era than A Day in the Life. Woke up, fell out of bed, tried to comb across my head. So Paul's part, the piano, the piano that always reminded me of Vince Giraldi, the little fills he does at between lyrics. Yeah, it always put me in kind of a peanuts place, which is a, pl- a place I like to be because I love Charles Schultz stuff. Well, and Ringo was like the band's pig pen. <laughs> Working for peanuts, it's all very fine. <laughs> Paul is Schroeder. 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 Sh- the Schroeder. great Mary Tyler Moore spinoff. Yeah, yeah. Schroeder. <laughs> Valerie Harper. <laughs> Valerie Harper, obsessed with Beethoven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and always dating someone new. <laughs> Roll over, Valerie Harper. Yo- Yoko is Lucy. <laughs> and John Lennon's the little redheaded girl. Yeah. Red-haired girl. John's the off-screen adult. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Dishwalla, Charlie Brown's parents. <laughs> Dishwalla. Yuck. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I had to play that. I had to play that on the radio. Terrible song. Had to play oh. it. Press the button, turn the volume down, listen to my own music. <laughs> oh, there's no skips. Because it feels like I'm talking to, talking to Charlie Brown's parents. So there's been a lot of speculation on who's doing the Oz. Who's doing the Oz before the final verse? I always heard it as John, but then I've heard in other podcasts people saying that that might be Paul. I think it's Paul. Yeah. I've heard people say they think it's Paul too. In my head, it's always been John. That, that's, that's the visual I have because, you know, I was there. Somebody spoke and I went into a dream. So you think it's Paul, huh? Yeah, I don't think John had that range. I don't think he had that range to have that pitch for that long. I think it's Paul with heavy reverb. Hmm. 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 
I buy it. I buy it. I just want it to be John, I think. I'm, yeah. I will say among my most favorite piece of music ever is Out of the Oz into the final verse, the orchestral bum, 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 bum. And then a harp, a quick harp takes us into the verse is still, I've heard the song 20,000 times and it still makes my heart absolutely pound. And the, the amount of times the song makes my heart pound, the intro to Paul's Bridge, when the, you hear the alarm clock, and you know something cool is about to happen, that makes my heart pound. And then, of course, as I've said on the show many times, and one day we'll talk about the movie, the final orchestral buildup into the piano chord, which was, of course, they tried a humming ending yeah. where they all hummed a note, which obviously didn't work. Mm. Stop freaking out, Mrs. Um, I will always associate with a clip from the Imagine John Lennon film where they show John getting out of the car and then oh, you yeah. see the glasses fall off and over the final chord, it's pictures of John's life in reverse as you hear the newscaster say, John Lennon dead at age 40 still. Yeah. I'll, I mean, si- since 1988, I will always hear the song and think of that moment, which makes me cry in like any other moment in film. Yeah. Yeah, that's heavy, man. It's heavy. From information I received while using a Ouija board, I believe that there will be an attempt to assassinate you. His presence was all I needed. We were getting so close. That's how it was. Discover John, a motion picture portrait of the angry youth, the musician, the radical, the husband, the father, the lover, the idealist, through his own words and personal collection of film and music. Imagine John Lennon. I had it on a VHS. I, I need to get that again. I haven't seen it in forever because I my, don't have a VCR anymore. Yeah, and they also show footage from the orchestral overdubs during uh, whatever, you know. I think they're playing A Day in the Life earlier in the movie. Yes, they are because they the, the guy in the clown knows yeah. and yeah. The cucumber nose. Yeah, it's crazy. And Alan Civil was there for that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The final piano chord in mono is astonishing in ways a stereo can't touch. Mm. The final final chord to me in mono will rock you out of your seat. You hear the chair squeak more or something? Uh, (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) You do, yeah. (laughs) Who is that? Is that Ringo? Who's chair squeaking? It's a good question. I mean, we, yeah, I don't know. I would, I would always probably put it on Mal. You would probably have to put it on Mal. I doubt it's Paul. Anvil Mal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul said really quiet, so quietly you couldn't hear it. Go get that fucking anvil. Pick up the anvil. <laughs> it's the original ASMR. <laughs> in the life and it, it, it closes it out on the u.s versions but of course if you got the uk version you got a few seconds of a, a kilo cycle that was only i mean you can hear it but it was supposed to be so only dogs could hear it yeah and then that run out groove that was the last thing they recorded actually april 21st <laughs> i'm reading the lewison book the rec- recording sessions book yeah and it said here if you played it backwards it revealed a very naughty message, totally unintended by the Beatles. Man, I, I listened to that thing backwards. I couldn't hear anything very naughty. I, I think Lewison's got his head in the gutter. Did you hear anything? I didn't, Tony, but we should rely on our listeners. Now might be a good time for an Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. Exclusive. Yes, thank you. It's an Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. If you can decipher what the naughty message is on the Sgt. Pepper runout groove being played backwards, send it in to Untitled Beatles podcast, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 1010101-01101, and uh, you will receive a, uh, a Star Club bronzed toilet seat. 
and me singing like Horst Fasher. Let me tell you about the girl I know. <laughs> she the woman that you love me so. The guy, the gangsters in the corner want to hear Hanky Panky again. <laughs> Which hadn't been written yet. <laughs> uh, holy gully is what I meant. I always get those mixed up. Hanky panky, holy gully, moany moany. Tommy James and the Shondells ahead of their time. Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. exclusive. Bite me, Mark Lewison. There were bonus songs. What do you think about on the 2017 reissue, there's no only a northern song. Did that bother you? Did you care either way? Yes, I'm annoyed by no only a northern song and no look up my name. Bobo. Bobo. No look up my name. Zug zug. Oh yeah. Was look up my name part of the Pepper session though or just 67? Uh, I was shortly after Pepper. Yeah, it was after Pepper, I think. Yeah, okay. My only concern is where does a reissue of you know my name go? Right, it should have been let it be, didn't happen. Yeah, cuz it was the B-side to let it be. Yeah, and it was completed at that time. They started it in 67. Yeah. But they didn't really complete it till 69. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe they'll come out with some Magical Mystery Tour thing, and maybe it'll be on there. It's uh, freaky for Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah, that's a good point, and in the, certainly in the spirit of the film. Um, I, I like Only a Northern Song more than Within You, Without You. I know I'm in the minority there, but I prefer it. I do, too. It doesn't yeah, I mean, it speaks to our sensibilities more, you know, it's a 4-4 four, four rock song that has cool instrumentation, and I always liked that song a lot, but it's not on this, I wish it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get a bunch of, you know, Strawberry Fields Forever takes. You get takes 1, 4, 7, 26, and then a new mix, the latest mix from 2017. And the takes are different than what was issued on the anthology, too. Some of the repeated yeah. stuff is a different mix. Is it take two of Strawberry Fields on the deluxe issue that has the those gorgeous remixed Beatle harmonies that isn't on anthology, too? I forget which take it is. I'm not looking at my notes. Right. I have take one written down. That's the one that's got the harmonies, the backing vocals on it. Take one. Always know sometimes think it's me But you know I know and it's a dream I think I know I mean a yes but it's all wrong That is I think I disagree the final mix is great because you don't get that weird stereo separation that plagued it on, you know, where the vocals were on one thing and the yeah. track was on the other. No one I think is in my tree. I mean, it must be high or low. That is, you can't, you know, tune in, but it's all right. I think they got the mix right, except... There is an accent from that Swar Mandel at the 306 mark that they erased. You you hear it on the 2009. There's like a little. Yes. That's gone. That's not on the 2017. Oh, it's not? Yeah, they got rid of okay. it. Okay. Yeah, man. Oh, that's a, a huge part of it. That's weird. It comes back for the. You know, that part's in there. <laughs> I'm going to be a blue collar man. The Jimmy Nichols story. Getting worse all the time. I go back to London. Long nights. Impossible loves. Yeah, and one of my five favorite Beatles songs is also on this the remix of Penny Lane. Yes. Um, unfortunately, the bonus Penny Lane material on the Sgt. Pepper reissue box is pretty thin. It's got kind of the instrumental working of it. There's like five or six pianos on this. Yeah. Um, but I finally heard what I always heard is a lion's roar. It's like a drum, whichever, that's what you told me back when we were talking about this. Yeah. But I, I hear it clearly now. Yeah. 
to me, I always heard it as a lion's roar. And that made sense to me because it was, you know, sound effects fill for the Beatles in 67. Ringo's drums, his drum rolls going into the cymbal crashes are really inspired. It's a very theatrical song. One of the reasons I love Penny Lane so much is at face value, it's a sunny British pop tune, but it's trippy in its own regard, too. It's not as stony as Sgt. Pepper, but Penny Lane is a trippy song. Yeah, it's definitely trippy. Yeah. Very similar to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. It has like this element of like, oh, it's a sunny day, but oh, it's maybe it's it's raining as well because it yeah. is, it's both in the song lyrically. In Penny Lane, the barber shaves another customer. We see the banker sitting waiting for a trim. And then the fireman rushes in from the pouring rain. Very strange. Penny Lane. And then, of course, on one of the bonus discs, they have the source from a, a from your a forty five that was your grandfather ran over in his car with the Penny Lane promo with the extra uh, horn tag. Yeah, I think I thought they found it in the spokes of a bicycle, like a children's bicycle, <laughs> next to a Mickey Mantle rookie card. There's <laughs> a Kirby Puckett card and a forty five of a. Penny Lane, I didn't understand. That's a big fuck you from Capitol. And then those high pitched, uh, I found out what that is. It's two high pitched whistles from a harmonium. Okay. Those, that's a harmonium. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, man. It's it's a great song. The greatest A-side and B-side. Now officially married to the Sgt. Pepper album. It's not on the it's not bonus tracks on the one disc Sgt. Pepper remix, but on the box set, Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane are now part of the Sgt. Pepper album after all these years. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah. I'm not sure how Magical Mystery Tour feels about that, but uh <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, it'll be interesting when they do the Magical Mystery Tour remix at some point because those yeah. songs have been standardized as part of that album. I said in episode one, Tony, you can make a case that with the exception of Day in the Life, the songs on Magical Mystery Tour may be stronger individually than the songs on Pepper. Arguably. Arguably. I mean flying and blue jay way. I don't think are better than anything on Pepper. You wouldn't take Flying Your Blue Joy over within you without you or She's Leaving Home? I would. Definitely not She's Leaving Home, but maybe I would do Blue Jay Way over Within You Without You. Maybe. I love how it works on this record. Then there'd be no Indian on the record. Music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it is fun to make puzzles out of all these records and be like, well... I mean, they they got them right, you know. They got most everything right, but it's fun for us to like deconstruct things and be like, well, like we did with the White Album a few weeks back. Yeah, I mean, not every Beatle album is perfect. I would probably kick a Hard Day's Night and Abbey Road out of the catalog. Who <laughs> 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 would? But you? that's just me. <laughs> that, might, that might just be you. That might just be you. Yeah. Who would you kick them to? <laughs> Uh, either I would probably trade. I do a, I do a straight up trade with the Dave Clark five. I would trade glad all over for all cry instead. Yeah. And then, and then give when I get home to the Boston Celtics, uh, in return for Larry Bird. Yeah. For or draft rights, Larry Bird. See what happens. All right. Which Beatles songs like your favorite Celtic? Ro- Robert Parrish is definitely Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> You may not believe this, but I couldn't stand basketball. Hated it. Larry Bird is, uh, and your Larry Bird can sing. Ah, there, it's, it's perfect. Robert Parrish would actually be getting better because he did used to be cruel to his woman if you oh. read the Boston papers in the uh, 80s. Oh, he also used to have weed delivered to him like it was Domino's. 
Wait, he would have weed deliver him by Domino Rally? Now that's rich. Jeez. See, we're paying these artists and these athletes too much. <laughs> hey, Beatles, shut up and dribble. Yeah. Make that record, then make my fucking pizza. <laughs> At Domino's, we'll make your records and make your pizza. Yeah. Sergeant Pepper, I asked for Sergeant Pepperoni. <laughs> Free delivery next time for me, America. Sergeant Green Pepper, like the Green Berets. I'm a possessed god in heaven to make a man like Rambo. God didn't make Rambo. I made him. Who the hell are you? Thank you so much for playing with us on this three-parter for Sergeant Pepper. Uh, we did it, TJ. We talked about Sergeant Pepper for some three hours, man. Yeah, we did it. It's an album that that befits that length of level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know, coming up pretty soon, Tony, is our hundredth episode, which will be our last episode. This might be it, actually. Are we fucked? <laughs> this might, might be it. That's okay. No, because we can call this like 97.1, 97.2. Sheboygan's home for country. And here's Travis Tritt. No, I think if this is 97, 98, 99, I think actually our next episode might be our 100th episode, I think. Yeah. Okay. I've lost track. Me too. Me too. Uh, maybe we'll do extra texture for our 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And now a three-parter on his name is Legs. <laughs> she knows how to use them. Harrison ZZ, one night only. That's why I'm ZZ. <laughs> How do we get out of this? <laughs> Just like and subscribe, all right? Jesus Christ. Find us on Discord. Give us a nice review. Give us a real review. Whatever you want. Thank you, Casey Baker. Thank you, Discord uh, friends and family. Beetle family. Uh, Beetle uh, hangers on. Apple scruffs. All the stuff. The minutiae. We've been talking about Sergeant Pepper for three hours from fried. She's got legs <laughs> And she knows no, how to I use them <laughs> She never begs yeah, yeah. Untitled Beatles Podcast Like and subscribe 